Hey, and welcome. Please enjoy the following interview, and you can also find additional content and articles at medium.com slash film critique. Thanks again, and enjoy. Okay, um, let's get started. How have you been? I have been well. I've been extremely, extremely busy with the new project, but I am doing well, finding moments to let everything sink in and breathe. Good, good, good. How have you been? I've been great. Yeah, it's, it's been um, really good. Good time. So, yeah, it's getting nicer. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, so your name is uh, Sophia Nahil? Nah- Nali. Nali Allison. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so can you um, tell us about Song for Latasha? Yes, so A Love Song for Latasha is an experimental short documentary that reimagines the life of Latasha Harlins from her best friend, Ty, and her cousin, Shanice. And for those that don't know, Latasha Harlins was a 15-year-old Black girl who in 1991 uh, was murdered by a Korean store clerk who accused her of stealing a dollar and 79 cents of orange juice. Latasha was never intending to steal it. Uh, you know, she had the money in hand to buy the orange juice and soon Jadu, the woman who killed her never served any time. She received uh, community hours and a fine. And Latasha's death was one of the leading catalysts for the 1992 LA riots. Um, and so people, you know, a lot of times associate the LA rise with Rodney King or all that they know of Latasha was, you know, a young black girl killed and everyone's seen the video. And it's very, you know, traumatic to watch this young black girl get killed. And I really wanted to interrogate the archives and reimagine who Latasha was in the fullness of her life rather than her existing within this narrative of just her death. So I wanted it to be a journey through these, these intimate memories from her best friend and cousin. Okay. And um, now what, what prompted you to take on this project initially? Yeah, I, um, I'm a native of South Central and I remember just being extremely homesick once and just doing research on LA and black women um, and realized I did not know a lot about Latasha Harlins. You know, I was a young girl during the riots and for me, I always associated it, like I mentioned with Rodney King and I couldn't believe that this young girl was the actual catalyst and that whenever I tried to find out more about her story, there wasn't that much information. Um, And when I moved back to LA in 2016, it was actually the 25th year anniversary of the LA uprising. And I thought this would be the time for us to revisit her story. I was working at a production company. I pitched the project to them and they turned it down. And so I decided I had to quit because I knew I needed to work on this story. I can't explain what it was. I feel like it was Latasha's spirit that wouldn't let me run away from this, wouldn't let me let go of it. Um, but I knew that if this company didn't understand and support the need for us telling Latasha's story, then they as well didn't understand the importance of my existence. And I didn't want to work at a place like that anymore. So for two years, I began um, working on on this short piece and 
I initially thought it was something I would do for the 25th year and realized it was something that needed a lot of time. Ty always used to tell me that Latasha is going to make me work for this. And I understand completely uh, because, you know, for so long, her name was just a headline. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that much information. So what does it mean to actually excavate this, to rebirth it, to spend that time really getting to know who Latasha was, spending that time with Ty and Shanice and back in the community. Um, and so what's really interesting about this year, you know, the film premiered in 2019 at Tribeca, 2020, it came out on Netflix. And so this year, it's actually Latasha's 45th birthday on January 1st. And then it made 30 years um, since her death on March 16th. So it's been really interesting how the film has moved through time um, and taken the time that it deserves. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's it's really a, a heartbreaking story. I mean, um, especially, you know, the part where she saves her friend uh, from those bullies that were trying to hold her underwater. Yeah. And, you know, she, she sounds like she was such a hero and such an inspiration to people around her and for that to happen to her. So, um, I think it's wonderful that, that you really did this because I feel like, like you were saying, there's not a lot of information. And I do remember that too. Um, I was little and I remember hearing a little bit about it, but not much. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, with the things that are happening today, um, I mean, George Floyd and, and um, the protests last year and Capitol riots and things like that. Um, how do you, Feel that this uh, film resonates now? I think it reminds us that this is a cyclical pattern, uh, that this is something that will not be fixed with surface work, that this is a deep, deep rooted, there is deep rooted anti-Blackness within this country. Um, and you know, this is something that Black folks have always known. We have always been fighting for this, but I think everyone is finally waking up to it. And so what's really interesting about uh, 2020 is the week that A Love Song for Latasha premiered on Netflix, um, that Wednesday is when the Brianna, when Brianna Taylor's verdict was announced. And for me, what's so important is making sure we center black women within this fight for black liberation, that we will never get black liberation without acknowledging the most vulnerable, acknowledging black women, black girls, black queer folks, black trans folks. Um, and so I think it's, it, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we are starting to acknowledge how important it is to center black women. You know, this is why we have say her name. This is why we have me too, because too easily black women and black girls have been erased from this narrative. Um, we, people have disregarded those stories and this is something we can no, no longer do. We have to confront that anti-blackness also um, is associated with um, gender-based violence, with um, sexism, uh, with dismantling the patriarchy, um, with dismantling homophobia and transphobia. And that is truly how we get Black liberation. So knowing that this is not new, knowing that this is a pattern that we've seen for years, decades, uh, centuries, and Black women and Black girls deserve deserve the time needed to make sure we are doing everything we can to protect them, uh, to honor them and to allow them to live their full 
destined lives. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, now, I also wanted to ask, um, of course, I mean, you've seen like the recent shootings in the news and um, there's been sort of a lot of, of movement about um, Black and Asian solidarity because I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people assume that Black and Asian people always have a problem with each other rather than um, looking at it from the lens of white supremacy being the problem. And I wanted to know, like, from your perspective, how how is it with that, with this film, given um, what happened there and that the woman who shot her uh, was Asian and didn't serve any time, which I was surprised yeah. to learn. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's so important to make sure that we are really confronting that the, the tensions between Blacks and Asians, or I'll speak about Korean Americans, is deeply rooted in imperialism. Uh, you know, anti-Blackness, anti-Blackness is something that Korean Americans were taught. They were taught to be afraid of Black people. They were mm -hmm. taught that, you know, Black folks would come in your store and steal. And, and it was so, it's so rooted in anti-Blackness. So we, you know, again, we have to go to the root. We have to address white supremacy. Um, and I have, you know, I, there needs to be a conversation of the healing that has to happen between Blacks and Asians that, this fight is not us against each other. This fight is really white supremacy and we need to address all the powers that are, are, are deeply um, rooted in, in this violence. And so it was really beautiful to see a lot of black folks, you know, speaking against um, Asian hate mm -hmm. within the past, past week. Um, and so I want conversations of healing to continue to happen among these two communities. Um, it's been really beautiful to receive some messages from uh, the, you know, Asian American communities, letting us know they've watched a love song for Latasha, letting us know this is a conversation that's very important to them. Um, so I just want to make sure that when we're addressing the tensions that uh, that are existing, it is not something that we as Black folks or Korean Americans created themselves. It is this is what happens when you put a group of people together in a community with the little resources and when everyone's fighting for jobs, everyone's fighting for resources, you know, when we look at um, just the population of, of Asian Americans that are owners of liquor stores or black beauty supply stores and see that that anti-blackness is now placed in the community. And so these are the places we have to go to and, and are always confronted with that racism. Um, it becomes a conversation on, on the resources within the community. You know, why aren't black folks the ones that are allowed to have this ownership? What happens when those resources are not available to us? Um, so always wanting to make sure white supremacy is at the root of this issue. Okay, okay. Um, and another question about um, her, her cousins and her friends. Um, how has this impacted them, this movie, and um, seeing all of this now? Because at, the, at one part of the movie, she, she read um, an essay that, or a poem that Latasha wrote, and, you know, uh, 
just uh it was it was so impactful because of her feeling for that going back to this after so many years what has that done to their lives and um you know yeah it's been really beautiful to have family and friends of Latasha engage with the film. It's been really inspiring to watch how Ty and Shanice have healed through this process and how that healing is moving throughout the community. On January 1st, um, Netflix helped us unveil a mural that we created for Latasha in the community, at the community center, Algin Sutton, where they all played as children. So this is the park where they would play. This is where Ty was in the pool. This is about a block away from where they all lived. And uh, we hired the phenomenal artist, Victoria Casanova to help us create this this living, you know, tangible memory of Latasha in the community. So on January 1st, on Latasha's 45th birthday, we all went out to celebrate this unveiling, the, you know, her sister, her brother, her grandmother, the entire Harlan's family. And it's been really beautiful to come together with them to celebrate and to see that they notice too, that Latasha will never be forgotten. Latasha can never be erased. On March 16th of this year, we all went back to the park because it on the 16th, it was 30th, the 30th um, anniversary of Latasha's uh, death. Mm -hmm. And we went there, stood at the mural, you know, to hold space for Latasha, but also to announce that the park will officially be renamed, the playground will be renamed Latasha Harlan's Playground on April 29th, which would have been the first day of the uprising. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's always been my goal to see the community activated, to make sure that Latasha was felt within the community, that this film always returned to the community and the Harlan's family. And it's been so um, humbling and, beautiful to witness this with them, to experience this with them, to speak to her sister, to speak to her brother, to speak to her grandmother, um, and even to talk to friends of Latasha who share their memories with me, other people who remember Latasha. And so that is what that it, it's been just really impactful to know that 30 years later, we are able to have this resurgence. We're able to have this rebirth where Latasha will always be remembered in this community. Um, and you know, Ty and Shanice are creating a nonprofit in the community in honor of Latasha Harlins. And Ty is back in school to complete her degree in criminal justice. And it's right. just been, it's been phenomenal to see how these two women have stepped into this role of saying Latasha's name, of continuing Latasha's dreams and their dreams and never, never giving up just because, you know, of how long it's taken. Nice, nice. That is lovely. Okay, and last question. Um, is there anything that you want to um, share with people? Um, anything about the movie or how they can help or anything like that? Mm, wow. Ah, oh, gosh, that's such a, that's a hard question for some reason. <laughs> you know what? I think more than anything, what I want to share is I want, I want Black girls to exist as unapologetically as they desire and to never shrink themselves. I think my message is for black girls and black women when they watch this film to realize that they can reclaim all of their narrative. They can reclaim all of their agency. They can preserve and build their own archive and no one can ever take that from you. Something that's so empower impactful for me is as we've experienced how Latasha, the film has moved through this time, understanding that even though Latasha is no longer with us in flesh, her spirit is still actively a part of this. And knowing that, you know, 
black folks, black women can never be erased. They can never be, our, our stories can never be destroyed. And I want black girls to watch this and know that they deserve to live a life of fullness. They deserve to take up all the space and never apologize for, for being their true self. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, such a pleasure, Nancy. You too, and I love the movie. It Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. You too, you too. All right. All right, bye.